Welcome, everybody, to this Halloween special here at Geek Network. Uh, we're excited you're here to join us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we're, what we're going to do here is we have some people on the line here with us. We are going to go ahead and share some of our personal ghost stories with you guys and, you know, get everybody here in the holiday spirit. So uh, let's go and start with introductions. Uh, myself, I am T-Dog. Uh, thank you again for joining us. And to my left, we have Jesse. What's up, guys? Glad to be on the show. Looking forward to some scary stories. Nice, nice. And to my left, we have Sir Thomas. Hi, guys. Glad to be back. I'm still depressed, still diabetic, but I am married now. Yeah. Woo! So it's not all bad news. No. Yeah. Two out of three. And, <laughs> right. And then to my left, we have Mrs. Sir Thomas, also part of Geek Network. Uh, we have Kristen. Kristen, how you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you for being here. Thanks for taking time away from your newlywedded uh, bliss to uh, be on the show with us. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. So, also on the show with us tonight, a very special guest we are honored to have here. Uh, sir, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. I'm uh, David Boer and Sir Thomas. I didn't realize you got married and you got knighted. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yep. Um, <laughs> All on the same day. <laughs> That's a big day. That's a yeah. big day. It was a very um, eventful Wednesday. So I'm David Boer. Uh, I'm a writer and um, creator, uh, mostly in comics right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I co-created and I write a uh, all ages fantasy series for IDW called Canto. Yeah, yeah, Canto is amazing. I'm, I'm very excited to be here to tell ghost stories. And as I said before we started recording, I have a rockin' ghost story from the '80s. When I was a kid in my house where I grew up in the Midwest, uh, so I can't wait to share it. Awesome. I can't wait to hear it. And the fact that it took place in the 80s makes me hopeful that there will be some type of VHS that will come into play. So I'm hoping. Don't worry <laughs> yet. We'll get into it and hopefully we can hear about it. So It's got to be a snow screen. Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, so let's go ahead and kick it off here. Which one of you find individuals would like to be the first one to start us off here? All right, I'll go ahead and I'll kick it off with uh, one that isn't too bad. Okay. okay. Uh, let's see. So about 15 years ago, uh, I was still in high school, uh, had a really good family friend that lived across the street from us. He was like a, like a grandfather to us. Uh, his name was Fred. Now, one day, unfortunately, Fred uh, got murdered during a – they tried to break in and take some things from the house. Hmm. So – the next couple days were a bit rough. Me and my dad went into the house to start cleaning out some things and get ready, get the house ready and help out the family. As we were cleaning things out, I had put the grocery bag on top of the stove and started loading things into the into the grocery bag. And once we were completely done, picked up the bag. As soon as I picked up the bag, the stove was on. Like the fire, it wasn't electric, it was fire. And the, the fire was burning right where the bag was, but nothing was burned on the bag. The gas was also off. It was the weirdest thing that we had seen. And I looked at my dad, and I'm like, hey, you see this, right? And uh, he's like, uh, yeah, no, that's that's Fred. So I just kind of popped the, the gas on and then popped it back off and it turned off the fire. Now, 
over the next couple of days, little weird instances kept happening. So either random doors would shut or you would hear the water start to run in another room when nobody else was around. Uh, and it just persisted like that for the longest time. Uh, I, I started working for the city and I was cleaning up the graveyard one day. Uh, and as I was cleaning the graveyard, I came across uh, Fred's grave and just kind of chatted a little bit and uh, got a call from my sister, not five minutes after I was done, uh, kind of hanging out with, you know, Fred's grave. Uh, and she's like, do you ever, do you ever see weird things? I'm like, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, well, I was sitting in my room and Fred just walked by on the, in the hallway. Oh I'm man. Like, what? <laughs> so yeah, she said she just saw Fred. Fred, he just walked into my room from the hallway. I was like, well, don't, you know, don't be afraid. Like it's, it's just him, his presence. She's like, nah, fuck that. I left. I'm at the neighbor's house, but you know, he's, he's over there. <laughs> if you want to go say hi. Uh, and yeah, no, there's sometimes once in a while, you'll still, I'll still see like a little something in the, the corner of my eyes. And now that I have kids, I feel like he still paid them a visit once in a while. Cause every once in a while, my kids will come up and they'll say, there's a, there's a man in the other room. And there's nobody else in the house at the time. So both both my children in two different instances, I had never told them anything about this. They said they would say there, there's a man in in the other room. And one day I showed them a picture of a friend. They're like, that's that's the man I, I saw. He was in the kitchen. Uh, so I, I feel like he's still around and still kind of pays a visit to the family every once in a while. Uh, so shout out to Fred. You know, miss and love you, buddy. Yeah. Big up, Fred. No disrespect to your family, but go towards the light, Fred. (laughs) It's It's time to rest. (laughs) Jesse, you feel like he's kind of a benevolent presence who's just sort of there and part of the family and just watching over you guys? Yeah, for, I mean, honestly, for the longest time, ever since I was a kid, there were instances where I could see things to the point where my parents took me to someone that beat me with a bunch of plants on did the uh very mexican like egg rubbing all over your body thing the brujeria and everything yeah so yeah by the time this was happening like i was just used to random stuff happening and to me it felt like fred was just part of the family it, it, my kids never felt threatened by the presence they never felt any sort of uh anything that was scary to them they were just naturally were like hey someone's over there and you know he had a nice smile and it's just one of those things that's it's a part of us so i'm there's nothing to fear uh from fred anyway i mean mm-hmm. don't so, don't go out shaking random ghost hands kids mm-hmm. <laughs> so let me uh let me throw this question out um to the table do you guys think that seeing things like this is almost like an imprint of like their past selves like in places they've been or do you guys think that these things are like fully conscious like spirits that are still here now i want to point out that where they have seen him has been in a house that i did not live in at the time so it was a completely new house i think it depends man i think both are up you know are are viable i mean i've experienced like the quote-unquote like recording ghosts where it's just like you know like something acting out like the same thing over and over again. And I've also interacted with like, you know, ghosts that were like quote unquote conscious, like, you know, they, you know, interacted with you or their environments. So I think both are, 
you know, possible. Agreed. I think so too. I think there's the residual yeah, sort exactly. of quote unquote haunting where mm-hmm. it's just, it's like the, the video recording, like you say, over and over again. Mm-hmm. But then I think there are other ones who are um, potentially just lingering um, and have some, some kernel of consciousness to them, whether or not they actually understand what's happening or don't realize where they are, mm-hmm. but they kind of interact I think a little bit. It sounds to me like Fred maybe has imprinted on you, Jesse, and your mm-hmm. family, where it could be like this hybrid thing where he may not know exactly what, what's happening, but he's not just that, you know, recording over and over the residual type yeah. spirit. Mm-hmm. Fully I agree. Just, I just pictured Jesse this, you know, I'm always in storytelling mode. So I'm like, okay, so this is <laughs> like act one where, where, <laughs> where Fred passes, you know, Fred's really close to you, passes away. You start seeing his spirit a little bit and he seems really benevolent. Mm-hmm. Then you have this like evil entity that starts attacking your family. And by the time you get to the climax of the movie, right, Fred comes back in and he's like, the hero, he's the spirit that comes back and takes this right. evil entity and they just like both, you know, he takes them in the, and, you know, you're free of this evil. Mm-hmm. And that's, you, as you're telling the story, that's totally the story that I'm picturing, un, un, uh, you know, unrolling in my mind. So. Dude, I got to tell you right now, my imagination is already really wild. So I've had this story play out in my head already. <laughs> You're like, ooh, if a demon comes into this house, Fred's got this. He's got yeah, our back. Yeah, I've 100 yeah. percent told the kids. That. I was like, look, he's gonna fight out the other dudes. You got nothing to worry about. He was in the army, kids. Don't worry. I could I can picture it. I'm picturing it. Right. So basically Fred it. is Frankenstein from the Monster Squad, is what you're saying. Basically, if you want to yeah. put it in, in that way, yeah. yeah. A little bit of frighteners thrown in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gotta love that movie. All right, man. Word. So, Jesse, do you have anything else you want to add to the story of Fred? No, that I feel like that's a good place for the Fred story. All right. Uh, next. Okay, cool, cool. So who would like to take up the, the next bit of storytelling here? I think Kristen wants to. She's got that look about her. Uh, I can, go next. I can feel next. it. The eye of the tiger staring me in the it's back a, of the head. It's really like, it's not that great of a story and it's really short. So. <laughs> <laughs> because I because I didn't see anything and I'll be honest with you guys, like I'm not like a hundred percent a believer. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know. I'm on the fence about it. She's a normie. Mm. <laughs> so, anyway. So I have a question for you before you start, Kristen. Why do you think that is? Is it because you've never experienced anything or you just sort of doubt that it's all real? Um, well for me I feel like Part of it is like growing up in a Christian household, um, you know, I mean, I believe in demons and things like that, but like ghosts for me, you know, having that Christian foundation, you either go to heaven or you go to hell. There is no kind of like middle ground. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the way that I was raised. I'm not saying that that's a hundred percent what I believe, but it's made it harder for me, I think, to think about things like ghosts being real. Um, but yeah, I think, I feel like that's the reason why just, you know, that kind of upbringing. Interesting. So another question for you, Christian, now that you have married a Mexican man, uh, you realize it's going to change, right? I mean, you're going to go to family get together, (laughs) you know, there might be a brujo there, uh, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Someone's going to beat you with an egg. My dad's life. 
Yeah, I mean, Thomas has already done some weird, like, voodoo things with his hands where he's Santa, Santa, something about a turtle. Oh, a frog. Yeah. It's a frog. Yeah, but... <laughs> That's basically the Mexican Mr. Miyagi treatment. Yeah. <laughs> and I bet it cured whatever tummy ache you were having at the time, too. So. It 100% does. <laughs> I'm open to believing. I just, uh-huh. maybe for me, I need to see something, have, like, an actual encounter and then. I get that. But you had an interesting experience. Um, yeah, well, we'll talk about it. So, um, I was a, I had just graduated high school. Um, mm-hmm. I was staying with a family friend working for their business over the sun up summer for, um, money for college. Um, they owned like a trucking business. I was just doing like secretarial stuff, but, um, I was living with them too. Um, and also taking care of their kids. And they had an older son that was my age. Um, and he was actually friends with my cousin um, so he got a new car over the summer. He got a convertible. We decided to go for like a joy ride in the middle of the night. It was like midnight and we were in the state of Delaware. And if you don't know much about Delaware, there's a lot of like back roads and the woods and stuff. So we went down this back road and we found this, like, I don't know if it was a factory or if it was a warehouse, but like it had a bunch of parking lots and like lights in the parking lot. So like you can, there was plenty of room for us to like drive around and we we're like doing donuts and like, you know, being teenagers, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, with a fancy sports car. Um, but anyway, um, while we were driving around, like there were no cars parked in the parking lot anywhere. Um, the lights were on and I think that was just like a normal thing. Like the lights always stayed on, mm-hmm. but then we heard like circus music and we were like, that's weird. Like, where's the circus music coming from? And then I was like, Oh, it's probably coming from like the speakers from the poles that are in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. But like, there were still no cars anywhere. So we were like, that's weird. And it kind of freaked everybody out. So we're like, we're just going to leave because this is weird. Uh, So we started to drive away. And like, as soon as we got onto the back road, um, after we left the parking lot, I'm sitting in the back of the convertible and the tops down, it's the middle of the night. And I just hear, like, the creepiest child laughing. Like, Hmm. and it sounded like it was coming from the ditch next to us. But, like, it was the middle of the night. There were no houses back there. There's no way there was a child laughing in the ditch. (laughs) I have 100% goosebumps from my head to my (laughs) toes right now. Right? It was the creepiest thing. And like he heard it and he just like booked it down the street. We were like, we have got to get the fuck out of here. Like, fuck this child. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> it was like the creepiest thing, but that's literally the only thing that's ever happened to me. And to this day, like my sister is really like even worse of a non-believer than I am. And like mm. there's, she would not believe that story. She would always find some sort of like, well, there has to be a reasonable explanation. I'm like, okay, what's the reasonable explanation for a child laughing at one o'clock in the morning in a ditch? <laughs> so creepy. Oh yeah. Do you think that? Do you think that plays into your fear of children in scary movies? Oh, most definitely. But that was mostly because of the exorcism of Emily Rose. <laughs> <laughs> nice nice you know as you as you were telling this story and you get into the parking lot i could have picked a hundred things that you would have said right after that and circus music would have never even entered that (laughs) right no literally it was that same like 
Like, man, like it was so scary. Right. Oh man. That's why it's so scary because you would never expect that. Exactly. Oh, no. God. It's terrifying. No, it wasn't like a, you know, fair season in that town or anything, was it? Like there wasn't like a traveling uh, you know, show or anything in the area at the time? Nope. Fair enough. No, no traveling circus. No. Yeah. Going to Ohio. <laughs> you know all the traveling circuses that are in Ohio, you know? Yeah. Oh, you man. should do research on that area and see if there is like yeah. some sort of tragedy. I can remember where that was because... A tragic death of a child at a circus? Yeah. Oh, God. I don't know if he I fell off the research. <laughs> kid the fell off the how it fell off the circus train as it was coming to town. Right, oh. right. <laughs> they hid the body in the ditch. They or, just didn't even know it was just gone. They just went and he disappeared. And they just a little aspiring clown just rolled off the train. Right, <laughs> or what? It was like a child that was in the freak show or something, and then now they're like deformed ghost body just haunts that trench. Oh the my Phantom god! Of the opera. Oh, he had that mental issue that the Joker had in the Joaquin Phoenix version. Controller's laughing. Right. It would have been an inappropriate time. That is for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Just makes it worse. (laughs) The story is getting worse and worse. It's like the deformed mutant ghost kid, right, climbing out of the ditch after you. Exactly. With with a walking phoenix thing. Like the worst backstory. Poor kid was a deformed freak made to entertain you. (laughs) There was no room on that train for him. (laughs) And he was laughing because someone finally showed up to save him, and then y'all drove away. Right. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> oh man! <laughs> I'm glad we took this dark turn early in the show. Um, sounds like Fred should go <laughs> check that out. <laughs> My story. Oh. Uh, I man. don't know how I could top the the deformed ghost kid in the ditch, but <laughs> maybe I'll try. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up um, in Ohio uh-huh. in the '80s. So this was late '80s. I was probably nine or ten. Mm-hmm. And I had a, um, I have a twin brother, and so we, we grew up together mm-hmm. in a kind of an older house um, in the suburbs. Uh, and I just wanted, want everybody to have a sort of an, a picture of the layout of the house because that becomes important, mm-hmm. sort of what happened. So you walk in the front door and to the right, you sort of open into the living room. You go around the corner, it's a dining room and kitchen. And then to the left, it's the stairs to go upstairs to the second floor. There was a, also a third floor, which was the attic, that eventually was made into another bedroom. But there was a storage room that was off of that bedroom with a door. Um, that that we, we tried to keep closed. And mm-hmm. I say tried because my brother eventually moved up there. And he would tell these stories about how during the night, the door mm-hmm. would just sort of open. And so I believe that this, the centralized part of what was going on in the house was happening in that storage room that was unfinished off of the attic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he would often have that door just sort of open on its own. We would sit down in the living room on the first floor at night watching TV, whatever. And the house was kind of old, so it would settle. And you'd, you'd hear it sort of creaking and settling or whatever. But then you'd listen, you'd listen to it, and 
it would settle in a path from my parents' master bedroom. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, the attic down the stairs into my parents' master bedroom, down the hallway to the top of the stairs to the first floor, and then reverse that. And so you'd hear this creaking. It didn't sound like anybody walking, but it sounded like the house settling in a particular path. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad told a story one night. He had a waterbed. And all in the 80s, of course, you have a waterbed, right? Right. Um, Who doesn't? <laughs> so the way the waterbed was designed, they had these like bolster rails on the sides that um, mm-hmm. could fall off and it would just be bare wood. And so he said one night, he was sleeping and the bolster had fallen off and he was sort of laying on this bare wood. And he said somebody during the night, a woman, woke him up and told him to roll over because he was going to be sore in the morning. And he didn't think anything of it because he thought at the time it was his girlfriend who had stayed overnight. And in the morning, she hadn't stayed overnight. So somebody had told him to roll over in the middle of the night so he wouldn't be sore. That's very nice. So we never felt unsafe. But the thing that really was um, unsettling for me and my brother, we were probably 10 years old at this point. We were standing in the kitchen. And again, the the living room and the stairs to go up to the second floor was around a corner. It It was nighttime, evening. We were by ourselves in the kitchen. And we heard this sound in the living room that... It was a whoom. It sounded like if you took a pillow and threw it as hard as you could against the wall. And we thought, what, what the heck is this? <laughs> so we, of course, turned on as many lights as we could as we were mm-hmm. turning the corner to go into the living room. We went into the living room. There was a throw pillow from the sofa at the foot of the stairs, which is nowhere close to one another. <laughs> And it was like somebody had thrown a pill- that pillow against the wall. So, of course, the good ghost hunters we are, we went to the top <laughs> of the stairs. Uh-huh. We, like, gently nudged the pillow down the stairs to see if it would make the noise. No noise. We did a little bit harder. No noise. A little bit harder. <laughs> and then finally, take the corner of the pillow and as hard as we could, just whipped it at the wall. And it was the exact noise. And so... Somebody in our house at some point threw a throw pillow against the wall and we don't know what, we don't know who it was, what it was, mm-hmm. what was happening. Um, again, the, the, I, I think there was an entity in the house was not um, malevolent in any way. It just was sort of a presence for as long as we lived there. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was, it was wild. It was wild. Oh man. Oh, yeah. I feel like sometimes they they just get lonely and need to make sure, like, hey, give me some attention. And like, hey, look, look what I did to these kids. Watch, watch this, watch this. I'm going to throw this pillow. <laughs> like 10-year-old kids walk. Here's this, they, we hear this noise. We walk around the corner. And can you imagine standing there and seeing a freaking pillow at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> what just happened? Do you feel so like it was like a, a female entity? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, after my dad's story, I kind of I, I thought so. Um, but it was just kind of, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It never felt that there was 
I felt there was a presence there, but that was because of the things that we would hear and we would experience. Not necessarily that feeling of being, you know, somebody else being in the house and being in the room or anything. Right, um, right. Yeah, but it was it was just kind of, we were kids, and so it was just part of being in the house, I guess. Oh, that's yeah. wild. I wonder if she just like just was not digging that throw pillow at all and just, you know, had it, finally had it, you know? <laughs> throw this one away. Like, These are not I think my she colors. wanted our attention. <laughs> right. I, think she, I think she wanted our attention. I think we were buyers. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, hey, guys. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or, Great. you know, like in the movies when they're barely getting a, a, an understanding of their powers and they just like overdo it the first few times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then she could have been trying to fluff and then went too far, you know? Yeah, maybe she was a deformed former clown that fell off a train and she was upset or something. Who knows? I'm just picturing like this spider esque entity like crawling down the stairs as we look up. Right? No. No. Worst phobia ever, spiders. Not just, nope. You should tell them your <laughs> recent Ohio story. Of no, the, we the don't scary need to talk spider about that. story. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. Was it a ghost yeah. spider? I want to hear about it. No, no, just a normal. <laughs> Why don't you spider? tell it since you were watching the whole thing happen? There's, there's not much of a story to tell other than she jumped out of the car basically while it was moving <laughs> after she repeatedly stomped a spider that probably was not even there. It was there. You guys and killed it. Well, I mean, but where you were stomping, it was not there. <laughs> and long story short, she destroyed everything in the passenger side while she was crying and yelling to pull over. And she almost got out in the middle of the freeway. So we had to stop <laughs> traffic so she could jump out of the car. And she left her AirPods in Ohio. They had to mail them to us because she put the AirPods <laughs> off her purse. <laughs> oh my God. Was this all over... Uh... Rubber spider that Sir Thomas you planted right. in the car or what? No, that was that was a real spider. I had to kill it before she would get back in. I had to like wait it out and what kind of spider, spider was it? A little baby one. That wasn't a baby. <laughs> it was. It was like it was white. It was and the like, size of a penny. No. <laughs> but he failed to mention I was sitting in the passenger seat and it was coming at me from the visor. Like mm-hmm. trying to eat my face. It was <laughs> like on the web. That yeah, was... it was called, It came off of the roof like in a little web, like right in front of her. <laughs> it sensed the weakness. And and then I freaked out and it fell, and that's when I just lost my shit. Like, <laughs> little, had that little spider-sized switchblade on it. Right, like, right. <laughs> yeah, I cut you. Yeah. I cut you. We're, We're just leaving out the fact colors. that it was part of a spider street gang and was obviously looking <laughs> yeah. for some type of drugs to score. So you did the right thing there, Thomas. Who knows? You gotta wear how far red or gone. blue. You can't wear both. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, but anyway, uh, back to the ghost stories. That was not a ghost. <laughs> Spider's a ghost right. now, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's probably yeah. Maybe its street name so, was ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, El Cucuy is what they called him. You know, where he was from. <laughs> He's got two teardrops coming down his right side. Right. So, David, do you ever go back to, like, is uh, the house still in your family? Or did you guys, the like, sell is, it? The house is not in our family, so we moved out when I was in high school. Ah, okay. Um, and actually, before the podcast, because I, I thought I would I'd tell the story, I mm-hmm. looked in to see 
on you know Google Maps, Google Earth. Yeah. And it just it looks the same and looks like there's a family living there. So hmm. I hope they're um, having the as good of experiences as we did. That's awesome. Hello, flying around and mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> You should Their consider kids are reaching out to the family. No, but you know what? I loved, them. I really loved, um, you know, growing up in Ohio. It was sort of, it was right on Lake Erie outside of um, Cleveland in the mm-hmm. suburbs. And there were just so many urban legends and scary stories that we grew up with. We had a Gravity Hill. Um, and I don't know if you guys know what a Gravity Hill is. No. Um so it's this optical illusion. Oh, okay. I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> where you can put your car in neutral at a uh-huh. particular point on a particular road. Oh, okay. And you actually are rolling downhill, but you look outside and it looks like you're rolling uphill. Mm, okay. There was, um, a f- there was, you know, woods everywhere, forest everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a clearing and there was a huge boulder in the middle of this clearing. And the rumor was that it's where a witch was buried. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the, uh, legend of the melon heads. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've actually researched that for my comic. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. That was, um, right, right in the town where I grew up is the melon heads. Oh, wow. Um, that's creepy. I don't know if Thomas has ever told you, but here in Yuma, there's a, we have a lot of like haunting tourist attraction things. Um, like we have the, the movie from. The movie 310 of Yuma had the prison, the Yuma Territorial Prison, and that's supposed to be one of the, the most haunted places around. Uh, the Those ghost uh, hunter dudes or whatever uh, actually ghost came. Adventures. Yeah, those guys. Those, those dicks. Uh, they ended up going and, and, and staying there overnight. And they stayed at Lutz Casino, too, another place here in Yuma uh, overnight. They did two episodes there. Did they catch anything? I don't know. I didn't actually watch it. Yeah. <laughs> We see Lutz Casino all the time. I eat there. I don't need to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's far too many bedazzled shirts, though. The, go- the only thing that ghosts you in the casino is your money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it was fun. You know, it's fun to uh, grow up there and sort of as a high school kid. Mm-hmm. You know, Kristen, like you were saying, just, you know, going around and experiencing all this weird, weird stuff that happens. Builds character. Yeah. <laughs> it makes you a weird adult. It makes you a weird adult. It just makes hey, you an interesting weird. adult. Exactly. That's what it is. In the best way. Right? Exactly, exactly. Rather <laughs> than all the norms that are afraid of spiders, Kristen. <laughs> Nor- normie. <laughs> we call those normal phobias. Normal phobias. <laughs> right. I don't want to be no normophobe. But... <laughs> awesome. Thank you, David. All right. Sure. So. Sir Thomas, do you want to go before me, or what do you want to do, man? I I don't know that I have a ghost story. I, I actually thought about sharing something um, in honor of Mental Health Awareness Month, but yeah, I haven't quite decided if I want to, but um, I'll go last. Okay. Uh, but I know Kristen had another story she wanted to share, but Ooh. I think she should go after you since okay. you haven't gotten a turn. No worries, man. No worries. So I'm going to go ahead and start then by uh, sharing the my chronological uh, first ghost experience, I guess. Um, so this story was told to me by my mom and my dad because I was a newborn baby at the time. So 
my dad, my, my well, first off, my parents uh, had me when they were kids. I think my mom was 15. My dad was like 17 or something at the time. So re- really young. Um, so the first job my dad ever had to support us, uh, he worked in the mine. So there is a mine out in Mammoth, Arizona. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. It's a silver mine, which I think now is uh, depleted. So now it's just a big hole in the earth. But he worked in the silver mine. And so if you've ever been in a mining town or whatever, uh, basically it's the mine, uh, a bunch of bungalows set up for the mine workers, and maybe a couple stores for them to buy stuff is pretty much all it was. Um, so my parents and me, we obviously, you know, I was maybe a couple, maybe a month or two old. Uh, and then we lived in the, uh, you know, in the bungalows where the rest of the minor families were. So my dad worked uh, a night shift in the in the mill or the, the, the uh, mine, I should say. And so he was gone at night. And so my mom, 15 years old. Uh, you know, in this uh, bungalow by herself with a newborn baby. So it was obviously good times. Uh, so one night she's saying that, you know, she put me in my crib and then would lay down. And she said one night she started hearing footsteps. So she woke up one day and just heard heavy, like booted footsteps going down the hallway. So she would hear it come from the front door. The door wouldn't wouldn't open and close, mind you. She would just hear it come from the front door and it would walk down the hallway um, and walk up to my crib and that's where the noise would stop. And so she heard it one night and just thought she was hearing things. You know, she was really tired, uh, didn't pay any mind. And then it kept happening like every night uh, for like a good month. And so every night, you know, at the same time, like she would hear the footsteps. Um, it would go from the front door down the hall up to my crib where I was sleeping and then it would stop. And so one night she decided, you know, that, you know, at that, you know, I'm not taking the shit anymore. And so she had me sleep in the bed with her. And so I was in the bed with her, you know, mind you, I'm a baby, I'm sleeping, not really doing anything. And then she heard the footsteps go from the front door to the hallway like it always did, and then walked into my room and stopped at my crib. And, you know, obviously I wasn't in it. So then she then heard the footsteps kind of circle around my bedroom and just kind of go from wall to wall and, you know, kind of slowly at first. And then, you know, the the footstep pace started to pick up and then it became frantic where she would hear it like, you know, kind of stomping around the the room heavier and heavier and louder. And then she said she started to hear furniture move, like her, my crib move. And then, you know, uh, my toys or stuffed animals move or just like things move around in the room. And so she goes out and she looks in the room. She doesn't see anything. And then just watches the door just slam shut. And then commences to hear just the entire room being torn up, things getting broken glass and, you know, you know, things getting thrown up against the wall. So she thinks she has an intruder. So she grabs me, runs out the house, runs to her neighbor's house. They call the police. And then, you know, it's a small bungalow. So it's only a two bedroom, uh, you know, you know, not really a lot of room for somebody to run. Um, but she's, you know, at the neighbor's house and she thinks she's safe. They call the police. They call my dad. He comes home early from work and the police come out and they investigate and they get, you know, to our place and open it up. And, you know, none of the windows are open. Uh, everything's still locked. And they get to my room and it's just torn apart. Uh, everything smashed and just everything lying all over the place. And, you know, they just chopped it up to, you know, somebody breaking into the house and uh, attempting to steal something but being unsuccessful. And, you know, my mom tried to explain, like, no, no, she went and she didn't see anybody. But obviously, you know, the cops were just like, well, you know, we can't write down ghost activity, man. So we're just going to put this as a home invasion, basically. Uh, so then... That day, my, my dad quit, and we moved uh, to live with my grandparents and uh, never went back to Mammoth again. So that was the first ghost interaction I ever had when I was a baby. Whoa. That's, That's crazy. That's <laughs> That's outrageous. That's, oh, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. 
that that took a turn I did not expect from the beginning. I really wish the police had put ghost activity on the police. <laughs> I'm like, now nobody's ever gonna believe me. But, but yeah, yeah. So did never she ever say now. what what she thought it might be? Or oh, she's convinced she it was thought? a ghost. As far as what it was, she just thought it was. You know, at first, just like maybe like uh, one of those, you know, uh, ghosts that just repeat itself. Just, you know, because it would always be the same pattern. Front door, hallway, my bedroom, and it would stop and that'd be it. Um, so that's kind of what she thought it was. Uh, but then, you know, once it actually happened and she took me out of the room and that was different than the fact that it just kind of tore everything up. But she doesn't know what it was. She didn't know. If, at, for the longest time, she thought it was like a demon or something or, you know, maybe uh, unhappy ghost that was attached to the family or something. There was a, a whole slew of, uh, you know. I guess ideas and theories, but none of it ever, you know, came to fruition because it never, that particular type of thing never really happened again. Um, but yeah, she, she, you know, to this day, which is like, I wonder if it was this, like every time she watches a new horror story or sees an unsolved <laughs> mystery episode, she's like, have you ever heard of a culpa? And I was like, mom, it's not a culpa. You didn't, you know, imagine this into your, into existence from like subconscious brains or, you know, so, so there's always been a bunch of things that she's always thought about what it could be, but yeah, I mean, best, uh, best we have is I ghost. I want to guess that it was a miner mm -hmm. who uh, used to live there, mm -hmm. and he started a young family, but maybe lost a child at infancy, and Ooh, was maybe. probably not haunting the house until you got there as an as a baby. Yeah, I can see that. that. Triggered him sort of coming in to check on you every night, and when you weren't there anymore, that sort of brought back those emotions and those feelings for the spirit having lost his own infant right you know, at that age oh, so that's man. probably where the rage came from hell I'm yeah gonna go with that. i'm gonna go with that i picture your story but with a minor 49er from scooby-doo as the minor ghost you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> that's what i want it to be david that is amazing um, it's and they you... take his face off and it's just you as a baby. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we always knew it was uh, going to be you. Right. This needs to happen. So how do you figure um, that that is triggered? So do you think it's like an energy thing? Like it felt your energy come into the home and that like almost like awakens their energy? Well, I had... I'll, I'll kind of add to the story here. So... When I was 18, um, I had a uh, Romani. I'm going to say Romani because I think Gypsy is a racial slur, so I don't want to do that. So I went for like a, you know, a joke tarot reading, whatever. I had this Romani woman kind of uh, kind of look me over and was just like, hey, because uh, I've always had like ghost stuff happen to me like my entire life ever since from then on till, you know, forever. And she's like, Same so, yeah. So she's like, you know. And I go in there for like a tarot reading or whatever, because, you know, a bunch of my friends are there and like, oh, tell us, you know, the future. And I'm thinking it's bullshit. So I'm really paying it on mine. So I'm outside having a cigarette back when I uh, was a heavy smoker. And she comes out and she's like, so you didn't ask for a reading. I'm like, no. She's like, is it because of the ghosts? And I'm like, well, what ghost are you talking about? And so she's like, well, you know, you have uh something about your spirit that attracts ghosts to you and she's like you've had them ever since you were a kid and you know you're always going to have it in your life and you know i said so i don't know if maybe that's what it was or she was just trying to you know get me to come inside to get a tarot reading and get some money um so i'm, I'm going to chalk it up to to me being like uh the child's sixth sense except not as you know not as active 
except now with Bruce, Bruce Willis following you around. Right, right. <laughs> it's it's actually the alive Bruce Willis. He's uh, just following me around asking me for it's, you know it's twenty massages Bruce and stuff Willis. like that. Yeah, yeah. Should have retired. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. That's the big Shyamalan twist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was alive Bruce the whole Willis. time. He was alive the whole time. He just wanted a job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Bruce. I have no connects, man. I can't hook you up with anything. He's like, you're yeah, not even my, trying. <laughs> I I think there was probably some residual energy from this particular spirit in that house. And I actually like the way you, your version of it. I think that's a lot cooler than anything yeah. that I've heard so far. It sounds like there was definitely some attachment there. Mm-hmm. What's the spirit that the um, fortune teller, do you know? Um, she said just spirits in general. Um, but there was a reoccurring uh, spirit that would follow me around. It wasn't actually a spirit. It was a, well, I thought it was a spirit. They said it was a demon. Um, But it's something that, you know, is apparently always going to follow me throughout my life or whatever. So I've seen it a bunch of times, but it's mainly at, you know, times of turmoil. So I don't know if it's actually that or just my brain's equivalent of, you know, uh, dealing with stress, possibly. What does it look like? Okay. So I'm going to tell you the story. It's I call I call it the little black Buddha. So when That's I what was I call my sister, yeah. So picture Buddha, but just completely in blackface. <laughs> oh, <I already laughs> did. But anyway, oh. so uh, I was maybe 15 at the time, and I was you know sleeping at home. You know, back when my you know my mom and dad were still married or whatever. And my sister was there, so we it was our family home at the time. And uh, one night I'm sleeping. And it's back when I used to sleep with like the uh, the door open because I would always sleep with the door open. And uh, I went to bed early this night, so everybody was still up, so all the lights were still on, and I was laying in my bed. And then I open my eyes and I look into the hallway, and I see this little black figure standing there. And the best way I can describe it is if the statue of Buddha stood up, and you know just had pointy like elf ears, and it had like bright yellow eyes. And the one feature I remember more than anything is that it had no nose. So it was just a picture of face with no nose and just bright yellow eyes. And they were just angry. And then it's doing this little like back and forth bounce where it's like, you know, you know, you see somebody ready to like jump into action and they're just kind of sitting there amping themselves up. That's kind of what it looked like to me. And so I see it and like, I, I mind you, I just woken up. So I'm like, Hey, I don't know if I'm, you know, residually still high or if, you know, cause I was also smoking a lot of weed at the time. So that could have contributed to it. Um, <laughs> and I just woken up. So there's a whole lot of factors. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not really seeing this thing. <clears throat> and so I try to, you know, shake the, the sleep from my eye and, you know, kind of shake my head and try to refocus and, but it's still there. And so finally it stops bouncing. Then it crouches down and just starts running straight toward me, like full blast. And so I, I freak out and I close my eyes and I start to pray and it goes away when I open my eyes again. And I'm like, okay, that was that was really weird. Like, you know, just chop it up to like maybe a waking nightmare or something and just, you know, go back to sleep. And then I would start seeing it like out of the corner of my eye in my house, just kind of, you know, in the corner while I'm cooking breakfast or something or in the corner while I'm watching TV. And at this point, I think it's just like, you know, I have bad eyes, you know, so I wear glasses. So maybe that's what it is. And so Tito. one night. Good question. Yeah. Did you ever see this thing on like the reflection of the TV, like when it's black? Thinking back, I don't think I did, but it's also back when we had like a tiny TV. So it was, you know, the old tube TVs that, you know, at the time was like 24 inches. And I was like, oh my God, that's the biggest TV screen (laughs) I've ever seen. (laughs) So it wasn't really a lot of view. So I wasn't really, I would have seen kind of like behind the TV, if that makes any sense. We had an entertainment center. So it'd be like at the entertainment center in the corner. So it wasn't really behind me where they could see it in the TV, if that makes any sense. 
Okay. Okay. So then one night I'm sleeping and then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking up and I wake up and I had these, uh, shelves above my bed where like, you know, I had like books and stuff like that. And you know, a little basketball hoop I could dunk on. Cause you know, uh, I'm, I'm a child. And, uh, so I will look up and I see it sitting on my, you know, on my shelf and it's looking at me. And again, angry yellow eyes, just looking like it hates me. And it's just sitting there kind of swaying its legs back and forth as it looks down on me. And I am freaking out. Like I'm trying to scream, nothing comes out and I can't move and I'm seeing this thing. And so it's like that until basically the Is sun comes like up. like an e- evil elf on a shelf? Pretty much. Yeah. Picture okay. like a, just an evil elf on the shelf, a big fat <laughs> evil elf on the shelf, just like, <laughs> chilling on my on my shelves and so like it goes like that till morning and so i'm thinking like you know finally in the morning it just disappears and goes away and i'm after at least i'm finally able to move and like kind of you know get my bearings uh but then i read about sleep paralysis i'm like okay that's what it is because it kind of matched all the little ticks like okay you you wake up in the middle of the night you see a black figure you aren't able to move um all that you know matches with all the you know things that sleep paralysis matches with so i'm like okay that's what it is i'm not seeing a ghost that's you know that's fucking stupid and mind you, this isn't like the first ghost I've ever seen, but this is the first reoccurring ghost I've ever seen. Um, so that's, you know, something I'm trying to play off. And then one night, my sister comes in my room, like, you know, runs in and just like, you know, is crying and stuff. I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, there's something in my room. And I'm like, what do you mean there's something in the room? I thought it was like a, a you know, a roach or, you know, a mouse or something or, you know, something like that, something mundane. And then she goes to describe the same little black figure um, sitting on top of her, uh, her bunk bed when she walked in the room and just sitting there looking angrily at her and she freaks out and runs, you know, into my room. And I'm just like, Oh, cause I hadn't told anybody about it at this point. So she's telling me the same thing and I had not told her anything about it. And so I'm trying to, you know, be the big brother. I'm like, okay, it's fine. You know, it's nothing. Just, you know, I think you're imagining things. Let's go in there. So I walk in there praying. I don't see it. And then, you know, it's, it's gone. So I'm like, okay. And I just not, you know, explained to her like, Hey, you're just imagining things. Uh, you know, you'll be okay. And then, weirder things started happening in the house where like I'd be in the house and I'd be alone, but I can hear people whispering. So it'd be a man and a woman having a conversation in like a room. So, you know, like if you're in a different room with someone else and you can hear them talking, but you can't make out what they're saying. Um, so that, that would happen to me all the time. So I'd go into the room where I thought I heard the talking and it'd be empty and there'd be silence or I'd go, you know, and try to follow it around the house and I could never pinpoint if anybody was actually talking. And so, you know, I'm kind of, you know, still seeing in the little corners of my eye, but not like full on seeing it like I had those other two times. And so one night, um, do you guys remember at you on TV raps? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is back in the day where you on TV raps would only come on at midnight on a Friday. And so my parents hated, uh, you know, rap music. So I had to like sneak in to listen to it. So I, what I would do is I'd, you know, go in the living room and I turn on the TV barely to the volume where I could hear it. So I can sit right in front and just listen to, you know, the music or whatever. And so, as I'm doing that, I just hear this like tapping like this, almost like raindrops, but except it wasn't raining, you know, but it, it sounded like raindrops are inside of the house. And so I'm just like looking around. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I can't figure out where, you know, this noise is coming from. And then finally I look over and, you know, I'm Mexican. So every Mexican household has the God table, which is a table that has an open Bible, a Santitos and, you know, candles and shit everywhere. And so I look the there. At the end of the hallway, yeah. So I, I look over to the God table, and that's where the sound is coming from. So I look over, and there's, you know, obviously there's, you know, the Bible there, and it's open, you know, to a book. So I look at the Bible, and what I see is just thousands of flying ants um, just, like, on the pages, just, you know, walking back and forth. And that's the sound it's making. It's their feet scratching against his paper, and then, you know, 
jumping up and flying away and then landing back on the book. And so I'm like, well, we never had like a, uh, the antifist station. It was like a brand new house. It wasn't like it was, you know, uh, like old and decrepit or anything like that. So I slammed the book closed and hopefully got them all. And I opened back up and they're gone. There's nothing there. So I thinking like, Hey, you're really tired. You're imagining this. You're probably also really high at the time. Cause again, smoked a lot of weed. <laughs> and so I'm just kind of keeping this all to myself. And then one day my mom comes and she sits down to me and she's like, she's like, what's in the house? And I'm like, Oh, and I thought she was talking about like, you know, if I had friends over or she found something that, you know, I was trying to hide or something like that. And I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, and so, yeah. And I was like, I was like, I don't have any weed here, mom. What are you talking about? And so she was telling me that one day she was sitting on the couch and then all of a sudden she saw it walk out from behind the uh, entertainment center. And my mom was super religious at the time. I was not. And she was just like, you know, in the name of God, I, you know, command you to leave or whatever. And he said, you know, fuck you, bitch. And then just walked back behind the uh, entertainment Who's center. Who was it? The, the, little, the little demon, the, you know, the black Buddha. He said, he actually spoke to her? Yeah. He said, fuck you, bitch. And then walked back behind the entertainment center. And so she's convinced that it was a demon. So she calls you know, her friends at the church and they come in and they basically exercise the house. And, uh, you know, from when they were done, they said they put, you know, I never saw it again in the house after that. So they, you know, from what they stated, they said that they had put angels in front of the house and in front of the doors to like guard the home and all the stuff I didn't believe in. Right. And so, um, I, I'd never seen it in the house again. So I'm like, okay, I, I think just psychosomatic, uh, you know, even though I believe in ghosts, I still try to find the most scientific answer to, explained away, you know, and so I'm like, it's probably just group, you know, psychosomatic uh, symptoms. So it's probably not something real. Um, I'm not seeing anymore. So I'm not really worried about it. Nobody else in the house was talking about it. And it kind of just died down. And then two years later, I went to college and I went to the U of A and I don't know if you've ever been to the university of Arizona, but they have dorm rooms uh, or dormitories that are on either side of a major street called Speedway. And instead of people having to cross on top of the street, they actually built tunnels under the street where people can just walk and these tunnels are like fully lit. It's not like it's a shady situation at all, but people can walk under that tunnel as opposed to crossing the busy street to get to and from class or home or, you know, whatever they have to do. So at the time I had a bunch of uh, friends that lived in this, uh, one of the dorms called Coconino, which was an all female dorm. So after a certain uh, time frame, men weren't allowed in the dorm. So uh, it was me and my friend Martin and we were sitting outside waiting for them to come out because we're going to go somewhere and hang out and party or whatever. And so we're sitting there and, you know, look in the, you know, we're talking or whatever. And mind you, smoking a lot of weed. And so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden, you know, we look in the, in the, uh, the tunnel way and it's all lit up. I mean, it's, it's nighttime, but you know, all the lights are up so that way it's not a dark place or whatever. And we see what looks to be like just a hunched over homeless man with like a big sack on his back walking, you know, through the tunnels, which, you know, homeless people were always walking out of campus. That was something normal. We would always, you know, try to, you know, give them food or, you know, try to find some place for them to stay, you know, whatever. So it wasn't uncommon. Um, so then we say, you know, this guy walking towards us and then, you know, he just kind of, you know, walking around grunting. The best way I can describe it is if you've ever seen uh, the labyrinth, uh, the part where she's in the junkyard and then there's that yeah, little the junk lady. Yeah, there's a, it looked like the junk lady, basically, except, you know, kind of bigger. And it was a dude because I can hear him grunting like <clears throat> when he walked by or whatever. And so he walked by and, you know, I was trying to be nice. I was like, hey, man, how's it going? You know, good to see you. And so he stopped and he turned to me and Martin. And he walks right up to me and my friend Martin's right there. And it had the face, you know, the no nose and completely black and yellow eyes. And it walks up to me and says, I hate you. And then just walks by. And then. You sure he didn't say, 
Hey, college boy. Something. Oh, well, that's what I was hoping. I was like, <laughs> missed me. <laughs> Miss me, sir. And this runs his finger down my in my sternum. Um, yeah. But no, like I, he distinctly said he hated me. And then I look at my friend Martin because I'm like, did I just see this by myself? And I look at Martin. He's like, what the fuck was that? And he freaks out. And uh, I mean, basically, he's like, dude, fuck this. I'm out. And he leaves. And I didn't see him for like a couple weeks because he <laughs> refused to hang around me. But then that's what it was. So then like as my life progressed and like, you know, certain really bad situations would uh, would pop up, I would see him from time to time just kind of like, you know, in the background. Um, so, you know, like I had a good friend die and then, you know, I'm at the funeral and then he's in the crowd or, you know, I had something tragic happen and, you know, he's somewhere to be seen in the area. So I, I don't think it's gone. Um, I just think it manifests itself when the chips are down, so to speak. So I kind of had to change my way of thinking to be a super positive person to kind of fend that off. So that is my uh, little black Buddha that follows me around. That explains why you're so happy all the time. There you go. That makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, because I find that if I have a positive disposition and despite what's going on, if I keep positive about it, it, it doesn't reoccur. It's only when like I'm down and like, you know, I let the, you know, uh, yeah, exactly. Which, you know, from what uh, the priest told me, like, oh, it's a demon and that's what they do. Like, they're always going to be, you know, coming at your vulnerable states or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. If we believe the movies we watch, they feed off of negative energies. Exactly. Exactly. I just watched Ghostbusters 2 today, and I can't help but think about that pink <laughs> the ooze. Right? The <laughs> ooze. Time that, do you remember at the end of the movie how they have the uh-huh. entire city of New York singing? I forget what yes. song it is. But as they're uh, I, I think it was all anxiety, right? Wasn't it? No. I think at the very end, but when they're piloting the Statue of Liberty. Oh, yeah, to yeah. To break the shell on the building. Uh-huh. All the entire city of New York is singing like, yeah, you know, your love, your love keeps, keeps yes, on keep lit. Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm thinking about. That's just, you just walk around all day and that's just your soundtrack in your mind. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Next time you see it and you have, you have any sort of interaction, just start singing something really upbeat, like build me a buttercup or something <laughs> and just see what the reaction is. Like it got to the point where like I would see it and I would actually talk shit to it. I'm like, come on, man, really? Like you're just going to sit there and loo in the shadows like a bitch, you know, and just like. <laughs> Taunt the demon? Yeah, because at that this point. very like, much it, sounds like you, though. Because like at this point, like it had never touched me. It had never done anything other than just like look at me and try to scare me. But at the point where I'm not scared anymore, then what power does it really have? You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, ah, like, ah, nice hat, bro. Oh, you're not wearing a hat, you know, I'm like, hey, Tubby, you know, fucking. You know, get a life, or you know, fuck off, or you know. Can you so I don't know if that's... Call him <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just like, hey man, uh, you can just watch me in the shower, and you, you know, know. bitch. Yeah, you know, he goes home at five o'clock and hangs his hat up and right. the coat tree, and then sinks down to the dinner table with his mm-hmm. wife, and she's like, "How was your day, honey?" He's like, "He's not afraid uh, of me. Not afraid anymore. anymore. <laughs> like I'm trying to get reassigned, but you know, I just haven't been putting up the numbers lately, and." I'm just stuck here to like do something. And... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All I got left is clown music and scary children laugh. I, I don't know. Yeah. I went to Ohio and, you know, it just wasn't the same. <laughs> Nobody's afraid just, of me anymore. Just away. <laughs> <laughs> Dicks. He actually spread his butt cheeks and told me to eat his asshole. Uh, it was really weird. He was in the middle of fries and everything. I don't know why he did that. Do I call HR? Or? <laughs> uh, 
I'm beginning to think he smokes a lot of weed. (laughs) 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 He always has a weird basil smell about him. He's really strange. I don't know. He's always really laid back and happy. I don't know what that's about. I think that's my favorite part of the story is like every time you get to a creepy moment, Mm -hmm. you're like, I was smoking a lot of weed at the time. But... Totally right. saw this Buddha figure. Well, yeah. Weird eyes. Was it the same, it the same dealer? Because I'm afraid that your stuff <laughs> may have been laced. <laughs> right. Uh, in my time, like in the in the high school days, it was just whoever was in the neighborhood. So it differed depending on who was or was not locked up at the time. And then in college, it was just, uh, you know, I think we all use the same plug in on, on, uh, on campus until he got busted and then had to look outside of campus to get weed. <laughs> Outsource. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Wasn't like the good old days like the kids have now, where they had stories and you just go buy it at. <laughs> Back in my day, we got arrested. <laughs> right, we had to actually run from the police to get our weed. You go into the 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 weed store now, and it's yeah. the demon behind the counter. <laughs> just trying to. <laughs> man, you put me out of a job, man. <laughs> Thank God this is legal because right. now I can actually make money and my wife loves me again. And it's just, you think you had it bad? Right. Try haunting your ass. Like, oh, you know how much braces cost for demon children? We have like a thousand teeth. And they're all crooked, man. They're all crooked. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You ruined his street cred, man. That's insane. You <laughs> really did. Yeah, yeah. So fuck I mean, that the guy. The story is disturbing as mm. heck. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I think you might um, have some sort of like median connection to the other spirits out there, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, man. And like, it's always happened like wherever I live, but I was like, oh, I am Mexican though. So we kind of are. Those yellow eyes are what tripped me out. Yeah. The, the reason I asked about the TV is because when I when I used to live uh, by the canal, uh-huh. I I used to see like yellow eyes all the time, mm-hmm. and w- one time I just saw it like reflecting off, uh, uh like off the TV, mm-hmm. on the couch behind me, oh, and damn. like I just didn't turn around, and I was like I I don't I don't want to look back at that, but I just kept <laughs> looking at the TV. I was like it's gonna go away. Yeah, um, it's just a reflection, and the clo- so instead of looking back, I walked closer to the TV, mm-hmm. and as I like, I, I would get closer to the TV, and it just got brighter, and it was it was yellow eyes, but I could only see the like the top half, uh-huh. and it it didn't make sense because it couldn't reflect off anything because the the room was dark, mm-hmm. and like I was on my way to try to go to bed, and I could like it all I saw was yellow eyes, and then I finally turned around. And there was nothing, and I looked back at the TV, and it was gone. And for for a while, like I, I would just see random little yellow eyes somewhere. Oh man! That's why I was tripping out on your story. I was like, oh, this, this sounds awfully familiar. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, oh. I never actually saw it like that. Uh, so I, I mean, first of all, I didn't know it was like a little elf looking thing because mm-hmm. all I ever saw was like the eyes. So right. I was tripping out. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy, dude. Mm-mm. At least yours didn't ask you to eat its ass. Right. Uh, that was Tom asking the elf, not mm-hmm. the other way around. That was me demanding it, actually, at that point. Because I'm like, <laughs> oh, hey, man. Okay. If you're going to be all like <laughs> oh, up in my so grill funny. and stuff, then. then you should have you haven't, you haven't seen uh, even a hint of him since. <laughs> For some reason, he's right. gone. He's never reoccurred. I don't know what it is, you know? 
So I think I'm going to have my own. <laughs> I'm going to do my own ghost hunting show where that's just like how I get rid of the spirits. <laughs> just moon them every time. <laughs> In- inappropriate. <laughs> Proposition. Yeah, just in it's inappropriate sexual harassment of spirits, and they just leave and stuff. You know, like I'm gonna be a loose casino <laughs> next time, just like eat my ass, ghost. And... <laughs> I'm gonna be your cameraman, <laughs> right? I'm like, yeah, we haven't had any disturbances since he came in here and spread his butt cheeks. It was really weird. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Sir That's Thomas, literally the scariest part of this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Is it's definitely the most dangerous. I'm not going to lie. We have peaked. We have peaked. <laughs> Happy Halloween, people. I'm like, you know, think about that while you try to sleep tonight. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Sir Thomas or Kristen, did you guys have another, anything else you want to throw out there? Um, so, Kristen is exercising her Fifth Amendment right on her second story. Uh-huh. Um she can't get the vision of your butt cheeks out of her head and she's well, lost the ability to speak. <laughs> yeah, looks, it, it's already working. Yeah. See, I've already <laughs> sex- exercised that ghost. Sexercise that ghost. Yep. Sexercise the ghost. So, I mean, yeah, I'll tell my story. Um, uh-huh. I, I will say that I, I was under the belief that I was being haunted mm-hmm. during these events, which is why I want to share it. But <laughs> Good. Um, so about four years ago, um, as you guys know, I, I have depression. So Mm -hmm. four years ago is when it was probably at its worst state. Um, I got off my meds. It was a huge mistake. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was when I recently moved to Mesa the first time around. So I found this really great doctor. She actually believed I had a problem. She didn't treat me like a psycho. So, um, I decided I was going to really dive in and work on it. And um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with, you know, dealing with finding the right medication for you, but it's basically just try this medication, see if it basically makes you worse or if it works. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were doing. We're trying different medications, seeing how I reacted to it. Um, I came across this one medication um, that was fairly new and she's like, I want you to try it because nothing seems to be working. I've been seeing her for a couple of months now. And I took the medication about two days later, I went to bed and I was just laying there. Um, I was dealing with insomnia as well. So sleep wasn't on the table most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would normally just lay there um, to look up at the ceiling. And I saw the shadow in the corner, you know, at night when your lights are off, you know, the, the moonlight's coming in through the windows and kind of makes little dark spots. And I saw the shadow and I was like, it's just a dark corner. It's like, I'm just tripping. And then I saw it moving from one corner to the other. And I was like, my eyes are just playing tricks on me. So I just tried not to focus on it. And then it started talking to me. And I was like, I really need to get some sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Like something is happening. And I would ignore it. I ignored it the first night. And just, I, I tried my best to pretend it wasn't there. Next night came around. It happened again, and I was like, you know, like, some Peter Pan bullshit, you know, like, this can't possibly be, like, my shadow talking to me, and mm-hmm. it was just, like, calling to me, and, like, eventually, it, I caved, and I just couldn't ignore it anymore, so, you know, I would ask it its name, and it would just say, I'm you, and I'm like, like, what does that even mean, so... You know, I would go back and forth between convincing myself that 
I should just ignore this. And eventually, as the days progressed, I, I caved more and more and I would speak to it and I would speak to it all night. And it would just tell me, you know, like, it's here to give me the answers that I need and to make everything better. And I'm like, well, what should I do? And it would essentially tell me that I should end things. And I would constantly ask it, like, who are you? And it always say, I'm you. And I like, I came to the point where I thought that I was essentially dealing with a demon because obviously I watch horror movies all of mm-hmm. Um, all of my lore that I learned is from that. And like, as many of you know, like supposedly knowing the demon's name gives takes away its power and gives mm-hmm. you the power over them. So, you know, for a while there, I, I really thought that this is this was what was happening to me. Um, so it, at first it was only at night and then it got to the point where it would just not go away. And I was speaking to it while I was driving in the car during the day. Like it was just there all the time. And this went on for almost two weeks. Um, I'd say about the last few days before I was forced to go back to my doctor. Um, I I don't know if I fell asleep. I, I really don't remember what happened that night. I remember I was talking to it as normal, the normal that had become for me. And I remember I woke up in the morning, so I'm assuming I must have fallen asleep throughout the night. And I woke up with, like, these scratch marks on my arm. And I was like, well, I had to have done it to myself. But I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to line up my fingernails, like, how I could have done this to myself. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just couldn't do it. So um, I told my ex-wife at the time, and she was like, you did it to yourself. And I'm like, whatever. Like, I probably did. And then the following night, um, I was talking to it. And it was just like like I lost track of the time. And the next thing I knew, um, my ex-wife was looking for me. And I was standing in the kitchen with a knife. And she said she heard me talking to somebody. And she, I guess, I don't know if I was sleepwalking or what, to be honest. But essentially, I had to go back to the doctor and... They wanted to institutionalize me, essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, it turned out it was honestly just the meds. Like, um, the medication was making me see all these things because I stopped taking it and it all went away, like, within days. Um, but I really thought I was being haunted by something. Like, I, I, I couldn't explain and I honestly would have never thought that a medication could make you f- make something so real happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it is mental health awareness. So I wanted to share the story. Um, I wanted to let people know that there is genetic testing available that you can do now. Um, this is something fairly new. So they basically test you Mm -hmm. and it will tell you exactly what medication works for you and which one you should definitely stay away from. Oh man! Which after I, which yeah, which after I did the test, that <laughs> one medication was one that my body just did not vibe with. Right, right. The absolute um, worst medication you could have taken. Dude, yeah, that's because, crazy. Um, like dealing with depression all on its own is like its own monster. So like, yeah. having to jump through all these hoops and like have medication basically make you take steps backwards is like the worst thing for these people to deal with. But yeah, I just wanted to share that it's. 
mental health awareness is a big thing for me at least i try to do something every year mm-hmm. to help promote it we usually do streams but we've been nagging it on that lately but yeah man there's people out are there they help. are they do you know if they're still using that medication like generally or well yeah because it's not necessarily a bad medication i i don't remember the name of them honestly it's mm-hmm. they're very wordy um but it wasn't that it's a bad medication it's just a genetic thing which is why the test helps because just some medication does not vibe with like your mm-hmm. genetic markers, I guess I should say. Um, so it essentially just, it, your body does not react well to it. Side effect is haunting. Yes, I right. say <laughs> side effects are dizziness, chills, yeah. headaches, and evil Demons. entities. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's explosive insane. diarrhea. Um, <laughs> A lot of these medications for depression, one of the side effects is depression. <laughs> so <laughs> it makes no sense. That's amazing, though, man. I had no idea they had progressed to the point where genetic testing is available. It makes like sense like now that I think about it. And mm-hmm. why the hell didn't we do this before, man? But you know, I'm just really glad that it worked out for you, brother. I'm glad you're still here with us and that you didn't yeah, listen to I mean, it. Um, I'm sweet. Like, I'm good. Like, yeah. It's way behind me. But um, it's really important. I, I feel like a lot of people probably deal with this and don't know what the hell's going on but totally yeah i mean that genetic toast the genetic testing is like it's awesome and i was lucky enough to have a doctor that cared enough to like look into these kind of things because i had never heard of it and she did all this research to like find a way for me to do this and it wasn't even anything her office offered like we Mm -hmm. had to go get like have it done elsewhere and i had to pay like a different provider like she just kind Mm -hmm. of you know, was the middleman in the whole thing. But that's awesome. Really though, man. awesome. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was four years ago. I can only imagine it's become more common now and probably yeah. even better now. So, yeah. Well, thank you, doctor. Yeah. You remember the doctor's name? Oh yeah. I still see her. Nora Parker. She's awesome. Dr. Parker, you kick ass. Thank awesome. you so much for being you. Awesome. <laughs> Dude, oh, yeah, man. Nuts. yeah, man. I think that's actually literally the scariest one. Cause I mean, you know, medication. That's one of the things you don't really expect to, you know, to fuck you up like it does sometimes, you know? Right. Well, it's a tool that's supposed to help you. You don't yeah. expect it to make it worse. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's kind of like, and plus the fact that, you know, mental illness is so stigmatized in our society that, you know, a lot of people may even look at this as a shame or something experience it when it actually is no other, no different than any other disease your body can have, you know, like, like yeah. you know, it's 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 a shame, but I'm I'm glad. Like I said, you're you're better, brother, and I'm glad you're still here with us and you didn't listen to it. And you know, thank you, Doctor Parker. Yeah, you're awesome, Nora. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. So, does anybody have anything else they want to share? Then, um, movie recommendation. Should we give yeah. some movie recommendations? Yeah, um, let's go for it. Little creepy movies. I would. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say right now. Probably one that maybe maybe not a lot of people have seen is definitely Host on Shutter. I know yes. it came out a few months ago, but honestly, for them to make such a creepy movie and all of it filmed during quarantine on Zoom mm-hmm. is just like it still baffles me. And yep. I mean, you got to talk to Emma Louise. Um, yes, it was yes. Awesome. Yeah, and for so, those you haven't heard the episode, uh, we interviewed Emma Louise, uh, who plays surprisingly enough Emma in the host movie and she was just fantastic such a such a good person and yeah man that movie is terrifying that could be another recommendation for you david 
<laughs> yeah, you know, I haven't, I, I haven't really um, dived into Shutter, uh, but I did see that today they just released a trailer for an animated uh, uh, creep show. Yeah, special. yeah. Yes, that, uh, yeah, it looks fantastic. Uh, Stephen King wrote one, and his mm-hmm. son Joe Hill, mm-hmm. who's a mm-hmm. great writer, um, wrote another one. And the Stephen King one is actually a story called uh, Survivor Type. And I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm an enormous Stephen King fan slash constant reader. Uh-huh. Um, and Survivor Type is one of my just favorite story, short stories he wrote. It's about a guy who... Um, uh, sh- has a shipwreck, like his boat uh, mm-hmm. crashes, and he's stranded on a very small island with nothing but this stash of uh, cocaine that he was smuggling. <laughs> and there's no, like, pl- it's just a rocky, like, basically outcropping coming up out of the water, and he's got no way to survive, or does he? Hmm. You'll just have to read your story to find out. I just wrote it down because that sounds interesting. He, he may not be around for a long time, but he'll be there for a good time. <laughs> <laughs> no, that man. sounds awesome, man. It's yeah, very, I, mean, I, I, yeah. I, I know about your Stephen King obsession, but that sounds that sounds great. I mean, I have a huge fear of open bodies of water, so that's right up my alley. <laughs> Is that why you hate Castaway? I know. I just hate Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think my creepy movie would probably be uh, Mama. From uh, I think it was Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie, oof, nice and creepy. I know we were just talking about creepy children. This was another one that was that was up there as well. Um, I think we're about to get a Shutter account too because my wife really wants to see um, that other Guillermo del Toro movie. The what is it? Tigers aren't afraid. I think it it's was? Uh, it's Isa Lopez, but she's actually making a movie with Guillermo del Toro right now. But oh, okay, okay, Isa Lopez is director. Okay, so yeah, we're we're gonna be picking picking up the, our Shutter accounts here real soon. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so my recommendation would be uh, Mama. I think you guys saw it, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, it was yeah. such a good movie. Terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the Strain is fantastic. Oh, I love The Strain. <laughs> yeah, it's a great. I show. need to watch the last season. I haven't seen the last season. It's good. I've been it's afraid good. to finish it. I liked it, man. I like how they wrapped it up. I, I was actually pretty pleased with the ending. Yeah, it, it has closure. I mean, I can tell you mm-hmm. that much. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to restart it because I don't think my wife's ever seen it. So it'll be like one of those it. things that we check out together. So my recommendation, we're going to keep on the Shutter train here because I am Shutter obsessed. Um, so I would definitely recommend Tigers Aren't Afraid. Uh, Issa Lopez is the director. Um, she replied to one of my tweets, so I feel like we're best friends. Um, so it's, it's a really, really awesome. Uh, if, if you don't know the premise it's set in mexico in like a city that's been destroyed by the cartels and just these group of kids that are trying to survive there while dealing with the cartels and a supernatural threat so it's really really good if you get a chance to watch it Uh, but my absolute recommendation would be one that just came out on the channel called scare me um so the premise of scare me is these two people are renting a cabin separately. So one has one cabin, one has the other. Uh, they're both authors, and they meet one night on a dark and stormy night and decide to hang out. And to pass the time, they're going to tell each other scary stories. Um, so it's kind of an anthology movie, but except that instead of cutting into different uh, segments, 
it's these two people just acting out scary tour, you know, scary stories to one another. And it is fantastic. Um, if you get a chance to watch it, it's called scare me. It's one of the, uh, really most original, uh, you know, movies I've seen in a while when it comes to horror. So if you get a chance to watch it, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's been the next one on my shutter list for sure. Yeah, man, you gotta check it out. And I'm going to watch so much stuff on shutter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that <laughs> Did you guys watch uh, books of blood? On yes. Hulu? Uh-huh. Yeah. I have not seen it yet. I got through I that, and then I watched um, Monsterland on there as well. How was that? Um, it was actually pretty good. Monsterland, I think, was only eight episodes. Um, each one's about an hour long, but each one, constant, you know, is like a different city that they link to, like a different kind of monster. So it was really, really cool. Cool. Some pretty cool um, talent that they brought in for that one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. So we have our recommendations. Kristen, did you want to throw one out there? Uh, well, I'm not really like a horror movie connoisseur. Um, I only watch whatever Thomas makes me watch <laughs> <laughs> because it's really not my thing. But um, recently he had me watch a movie um, called Hush. Um, it's on Netflix. Oh, that's a really good one. Um, mm-hmm. Awesome. Sorry, but, she, uh, she was sneezing. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Um, no, literally, the movie's hush, and she's got nothing to say. Yeah, she hush. yeah I'm sorry. <laughs> that was the best um, explanation ever. <laughs> but it's... Uh, should I explain it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so it's it. about a girl who is deaf. Um, she lives alone. Um, and, for, you know, it's a horror movie, so she lives in the woods. Where else would she live? Mm-hmm. Um, but she's being, like, stalked by a man um, who's killed people. Um, but, I mean, she can't hear him because she's deaf. So it, it brings out a completely new, like, dynamic to the horror movie because he can hear her, um, but she can't hear him. Mm. They, they, do a, they do a really good job of, like, giving you that sensation of not having the ability to hear and, like, getting, like, you know, the... What's the word I'm looking for? Not the anticipation, but like the suspense. Yeah, like the sus- like the buildup of the suspense and like the fear, like through her eyes, essentially, because you know she does have that disadvantage, and at the same time, it can be an advantage. So it's really it's a really interesting take on the whole, you know, um, the strangers, vacancy, serial killery, you know, mm-hmm. type stalking movies um but yeah definitely recommend it it's, it's an indie film but it's it's really well done awesome awesome okay so we are going to go ahead and sign off then now before we go david thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate you being on the show uh what would you like to plug man what, what can we help you promote here oh well, i think we'll uh, uh we'll promote uh canto that's the big thing that's still going on right now. So you can mm-hmm. um, pick up Canto, uh, the All Ages Fantasy that I write from IDW at all major bookstores, mm-hmm. online, comic shops. We're in the middle of the second story arc, Canto uh, to the Hollow Men. And we've got some exciting uh, news coming down the pike, hopefully by the end of the year. So. I uh, can't say too much about it, but I will say right. if um, you would like to become invested in the story now, you will be handsomely rewarded going forward with perhaps more story. 
Keep up the great work. This Wednesday, right? Uh, Canto 2 number 3 is actually out this Wednesday, and I believe I got a DM from somebody on this very podcast. Yes, about, you guys hmm. are not ready. <laughs> you are not ready. Oh, I cannot man. wait. <laughs> yeah, everybody here on the show is a huge fan of Canto. It is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the writing is so is so good, man. The art is fantastic. You guys make a great team. And it's it's one of the books that makes me happy that I'm a fan of comics, man. Seriously. For sure. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel good because, you know, we, we love – it's a story that we love and we would not be putting in, you know, as much work as we do yeah. if we didn't love this character so much and yeah. love the story and what his adventure and what, where we're – you know, the support that we get from all the readers is really amazing and it really has enabled us to um, continue on with this and, you know, I, I – I'm sort of vague about it, but I'll be more specific and say there is going to be more story coming. Mm, okay. So the the details are, are not released yet, but um, there will be more yeah. Canto after this arc. And it's all because of the readers and you guys for plugging it and just really keeping it out, out there. So thank you to everybody out there and thank you to you guys. No, of course, yeah, man. Thank sure. you. We, we love your work, man. Yeah, we, <laughs> we can definitely see the the love behind you guys have for Canto, like, like not, not to say that other writers don't like have passion for their work, but you know, the way you guys talk about Canto, it's like not a book. It's like almost like you guys are PR for Canto. <laughs> like you guys represent him and it, it's well, really it's just, great to see. You know, it's for me, uh, comics is really, it's really interesting because there's so many books out there. There's so much material and yeah. I just get fatigued on it. And then I look at something like Canto, and if I was not involved with it um, in any way, it's still the kind of story that I want to read in comics. And mm-hmm. I think that's why we get we get so excited about making it. It's this, it's a story we want to see out there, and we would be fans of even if we weren't involved. For sure, and uh, you can see it just by looking at the cover. I mean, that's that's how we got into it. Is you know we saw Drew's <laughs> art and we're like, oh, this is different. Yeah. And yeah, we yeah. took a peek at, at the first few pages, and Kristen was like, I want this, and we've been fans ever since. But I mean, 2020, I wish the year would have gone better. But honestly, it was the perfect year for Kanto because there's so much inspiration in that book that honestly, it's it's a good place to go to, you know, kind of escape the kind of year that we've all been dealing with. So I'm definitely yes, excited little, to hear more and a little we'll hope. To talk about it when, when you guys are allowed to speak about it, we'll, mm. we'll get together. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, you know us, we'll talk yes. about it. <laughs> hours and hours. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thank everybody so much for, you know, being on this journey with us tonight. Hope you enjoyed the stories we have to share. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to have more stories here on the episode. Uh, if you'd like to check us out, we are at geek-network.com, GN Podcasts on all social media platforms. Be on the lookout for our OnlyFans. It's coming. Uh, you're going to enjoy it. Thank you, guys. Peace. Good night. Thanks. Hello. Jessica from Geek Elite Media here, ready to talk about my stay at the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. I should probably elaborate that the Stanley Hotel was the inspiration behind Stephen King's novel, The Shining, which eventually turned into one of my personal favorite horror films with Jack Nicholson taking the lead of a writer gone a bit cuckoo after a long stay in a nearly empty hotel. The Stanley Hotel is a beautiful, pristine, white colonial revival 
with a sunburst red roof set alongside a boulder-infested mountain. The ground speckled with green trees and shrubs and honestly just all things that are great about the Colorado Rockies area. The hotel was built in the early 1900s by F.O. Stanley, an American inventor who visited the Colorado area when he was practically dying of consumption. Yet the clear air of the Rockies outside of Denver miraculously healed him. He and his wife, Flora, decided it would make a wonderful spot to introduce some Upper East Coast Society posh to the simplistic beauty of the hunting grounds of Colorado. Naturally, a hotel that old would have a few ghost stories to tell. Enough to inspire Stephen King to write a hotel horror novel after just a one-night stay. And also enough to convince my young self that ghosts were real. I stayed at the Stanley Hotel back when I was eight-ish years old, going there for a wedding of a second cousin. It was probably the first grand hotel I ever stayed at, making me feel as if I was transported into a new world. A slightly creepy, yet still beautiful world. Now, I should note that upon going to the Stanley Hotel, I did not know its history, nor did I even know anything about the movie The Shining. I didn't even know it was haunted, probably because my mother was smart enough not to tell her daughter with the overactive imagination that the hotel had a few ghosts staying as well. The things I do remember was sort of just feeling like I was being watched constantly, especially when walking through the long halls to get to and from our room on the second floor. Also, there would be random moments that I felt an unexplained chill, or felt like I heard people mumbling and talking around me as well, even though there was nobody from the area of the noise. I also recall going to the pool with my dad and feeling utterly terrified in the waters. The pool was a good stretch from the hotel, and it had what felt to me like an unfathomably deep half that made me imagine a whirlpool swallowing me up if I didn't remain holding on to my dad. And to this day, I'm still a little afraid of pools deeper than 10 feet. Most of the paranormal activity of that trip didn't happen to me. My mother ended up staying in the room alone while we went horseback riding. She was reading the paper when the power went out. She felt a sudden chill and heard two men muttering and talking just beyond the window. Yet that window overlooked the roof of the hotel and no one else was around. Another incident happened to the mother of the groom when she found that she got locked out of her room. At the time, the Stanley Hotel was using keys over key cards. She would stick the key in, turn it completely, heard the door unlock, yet the door absolutely refused to open for like hours. I didn't hear the spirit of Flora Stanley fiddling with the piano keys as some have, nor did I see F.O. Stanley in the bar or billiards area ensuring that his guests were still being take care, taken care of, I assume. I also didn't have my luggage packed or my things moved about my room by the maid Miss Wilson in room 217, also known as the Stephen King Suite. I've heard that Miss Wilson does not approve of unwedded couples, to the point that she makes it a bit chilly for them in the bed. I do know that the stay at the hotel did make me feel that ghosts were real and to always keep an open mind. It actually is my goal to go back one of these days and take a night ghost tour myself, since although the hotel did feel a little creepy, especially the pool, it didn't really feel malevolent or dangerous to be there. Perhaps the spirits are just there to ensure that the hotel remains open to guests who just want to relax and heal in the clear Colorado air, much like the original owner did, F.O. Stanley.
This has been a Geek Network production.